the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us. The topic of today's message brings us face to face with the most imposing question of our lives. What will our answer be? Will we consistently stand up for Jesus Christ no matter what the cost to us? Or would we choose self-preservation at any cost to our Lord and Savior? Will we risk eternal life with Him? Listen as Pastor Rander shares with us. Have Bible, pen, and paper handy as you will want to take notes. Help me to preach now like only you can help. Mama can't help me now. Daddy can't help me. Teacher, teacher can't help me. You have to help me because it is your spirit that empowers for the preaching. And help us to be still and hear thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 18 through 22, and then verse 26a. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 through 22. And there you'll find these words, my friends. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this for. And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord, know your servant for your word's sake and according to your own heart. You have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Verse 22. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you. According to all that we have heard with our ears, so let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And from that passage of scripture, I want to preach. Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? That's the subject of the message. Who am I? As I reflect back down memory's lane, I, like David, sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, Lord, 
that you have brought Rander Draper Sr. thus far from an unpaved rocky street at 3510 Kaplan, Houston, Texas, the third house from the railroad track. Lord, you educated me at institutions of higher learning. You blessed me to teach in the Houston Independent School District. Lord, Lord, you gave me loving parents who have supported me from my birth to this day. You also gave me my darling Darlene, who is my sterling and precious wife of 31 years, who have been a valuable partner and co-labor in the gospel ministry. You gave me two wonderful children, a daughter by marriage, and three precious grandchildren. We also praise you, Lord God, for my oldest, uh, my wife's oldest sister. Betty Lean, who was a wonderful surrogate mother to her when her parents went home to be with the Lord as she was a teenager, having to move from San Antonio to Houston to stay with her because of a tremendous need. Then, Lord God, you moved my wife and I and our two babies to San Antonio, and you blessed us to plant a church, a new church, in 1988, starting with 52 members in a one-room YMCA building, and now has flourished us to a membership of over 1,400. Isn't God good? You, Lord, have privileged me to preach many years on radio and television and then allowed me to make a global impact preaching the good news of Jesus Christ around the world by teaching pastors and wives in conferences as a guest lecturer, teaching students from around the world, providing sponsorship programs for orphan children in Africa. You have privileged me to be a voice to the nations, heralding the good news of Jesus Christ to sinners who are in need of a Savior. And as I stand and preach today, we preach by radio to over 5 million people each week. It is with a deep sense of inexpressible gratitude that I echo the words of David in verse 21 of the text I just read. For your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all these things to make your servant know them. Gracious Lord, as I reflect on these undeserved, tremendous blessings that you have showered upon Darlene and I and the Maranatha Church family, I can only conclude like David in verse 22 of the text. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And today, like David in the text, Before this great host of people, I unashamedly voice the same sentiments of David in verse 26a, which says, so let your name be magnified. Let, Lord, your name be magnified. 
Why magnify the name of the Lord? Second Chronicles uh, chapter 29 verse 36 says, Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. And we like Hezekiah too can rejoice at all that God has done in the midst of all that is going, is going on in the economy. Look what God has brought about so quickly. Why don't you say amen? amen. Oh God. And now this very day, in the midst of a failed economy, bailouts, corruption in high places, fluctuating gas prices, mortgage crisis, loss of jobs, gloom and doom forecasts from the news media. Once again, God has blessed us to succeed against all odds by his good hand, and for this we are eternally grateful. Why do we magnify the Lord? He has prospered the works of Darlene in my hands. And for this, we are glad for everything that God has set in our hearts to do in the past. He has brought it to pass. Surely he has confirmed over and over again that we are in not just his permissive will, but in his perfect will. Why do we magnify the Lord? We magnify the Lord. Because I would be remiss if I failed to praise our Lord for using the Maranatha Church family, for believing in me as your pastor, believing God with me and giving in the giving of your tithes and offerings, and even sacrificially giving 3% above the tithe that this work could come into fruition, that the vision would become a reality. Thank you, Maranatha. You've given over And above, you have risen time and time again up to the high calling. And this could not have been done without good fellowship. As a matter of fact, a leader without a follower is no leader. He's just taking a walk. (laughs) Because a strong leader must have followers. And I have to earn the right to be followed. And I thank you for your fellowship, for your love, and for your prayers. Allow me now to preach to you words of challenge, hope, and encouragement to families who need to hear a word from the Lord. Families are being assaulted relentlessly by Satan and his demonic host at every angle. He is launching an all-out attack on families through rebellious children who have more rights than parents. Child abuse is up. Incest, homosexuality, abandonment, pornography, murder, couples moving in together without marrying. We have the erosion of family values, the legalization of same-sex marriages, a tremendous surge of dysfunctional uh, families. We have parents who are addicted to alcohol, drugs, and gambling. We have ambitious mothers who live in pursuit of their careers at the expense of their families. We have runaway dads who abandon their spiritual responsibilities and a surge in teenage mothers and fathers. Satan knows that the decline of the family will bring with it an increase in corruption in society. 
Satan knows that with the demise of the family will come an increase in lawlessness and immorality. Surely we are living in perilous time. Since this is family day, I dare not miss this marvelous opportunity to give you a word. Why did God create the family in the first place? Before there was a college, a university, before there was government, before there were organizations and fraternities and sororities, God created the family. Why did he create the family? Number one, to reflect the kingdom on earth. To reflect the kingdom on earth, the marriage relationship is intrinsic to the church. The godly marriage represents Christ just as the church represents Christ. When marriages operate according to God's original design, it becomes a clear picture of the kingdom on earth that arrests attention, the attention of onlookers to the point that they desire what we have because they see genuine love and submission and unity and selfless sacrificial service within the context of the family. The family ought to be a picture of the kingdom of God on earth. However, the sad commentary is that instead of the family, particularly the church family being a model uh, for the world to see on earth, the Christian family as we see it today has been blurred and distorted with multiple divorces. Our divorce rate within the church rivals that of the world. Adultery in the church, pornography in the church, and we say, come Worship with us? Why if there is no difference? Pornography in the church, materialism in the church, pride, reversal of roles, drunkenness, and bitterness in the church. Only repentance and the realigning of our marriages back on biblical principles can clear up the distorted picture that the church currently has on display. We need to get our act together. If you're living together and not married, you need to do something about that. You get licensed for dogs. You get licensed to fish. You ought to get licensed to marry. I would let nobody live with me without a commitment. You show me commitment before you come into my house. Number two, God created the family to raise up a godly offspring. Say godly offspring. A godly offspring ought to be raised in the context of the family. Again, according to Genesis 128a, which says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. God gave a command to be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. In order to have children and teach them the word of God to affect the world for righteousness, which will bring about stability and civility to society. In other words, the height of selfishness for Christian family for Christian families is when they do not want to have children for the sake of not wanting to be inconvenienced. We want sex without babies. And we kill babies to continue our lifestyle. 
Psalms 127, 3 through 5a says, behold, it's in the Bible. If you haven't torn that page out, it says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. That's the Bible, you all. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I love this verse five. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. (laughs) Full of them. Why does Satan hate and seek to destroy the family? he trying to destroy? Why does he hate the family? Number one, Satan is furious because he hates the Christian family, which represents Christ, just as the church represents Christ, through which the gospel will be witnessed to liberate the souls of our children from the state of lostness and transfer them from the family of Satan into the kingdom of God. Number two, Satan hates the family because Satan knows that if he can destroy the family, there is a tremendous ripple effect because when the family is destroyed, you also destroy the moral fiber that holds society together. And when the moral society goes, so goes the state. And when the state goes, ultimately the nation because Satan is threatened by anything that seeks to hinder his agenda He lashes out against the family with a raging vengeance because he knows strong families will do him much harm. I have something tucked away for various segments of the family, so lend me your ear. Allow me to give a word to singles today. Number one. For you who desire to marry one day, if you're single and you desire to marry, you are wise indeed to wait on the Lord and allow him to divinely orchestrate and bring the right husband or wife into your life in his time. The Lord makes things beautiful. If you can't wait on the Lord, you singles, trouble and heartache and pain await those who fail to wait on the Lord. And there are a whole lot of you out there wished you had waited when you see the turbulence that's in your family. Number two, to the single, better joyfully single than miserably married. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter seven, verses 37 and 38 says, but if. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency, he can control his passion. He does, not, he does well not to marry. It's okay not to marry. Uh, verse 38, so the person who marries does well. If you want that to be your cup of tea and you want to be married, that's a good thing. And the person who doesn't desire to marry does even better, the scripture says. To you singles out there, number three, if you have the gift of uh, celibacy, uh, continue to seek first the kingdom of God and enjoy your singleness. Refuse every prompting and every pressure from others to marry. Philippians 4.11 says, now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Don't let you 40 years old, why are you not married? That's none of your business. I, if I choose to be single unto the Lord, 
What is that to you? Don't allow people to force you in because once you get in a bad relationship, they're not going to help you out. They're not going to help you out. Mm-mm. They'll talk about you. They'll gossip, but they're not going to help you out. Ooh, you see that? Number four, to, to you singles, use your singleness to bring value to the kingdom of God. You do not have the responsibilities of married couples. God holds you responsible for the time, the gift of time he has given you. He has given you opportunities as singles to be a mentor, to do volunteer work, to tutor, to be a missionary, to serve youth, the elderly, and whomever. 1 Corinthians 7.32 says, but I want you to be without care, you singles. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. You're not to use your singleness uh, to be solely selfish and into yourself, but it is to be used to impact the world for the good and glory of God. That's a word to singles. Now, let me transition to a word to you children out there. If you are 18 and under, will you stand up? If you are 18, stand up, stand up. You don't have to talk, just stand up. All right, now sit back down. I'm talking to you. (laughs) Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. It is evident that hard times have come upon children. Trials, prison, and even death have fallen upon our youth simply because they are in direct violation and rebellion of this particular passage of scripture which has brought about the demise of many of our youth today. Exodus 20:12 is the only commandment with a stated promise. Almighty God is the source of all true authority and he has delegated his authority for the ultimate good of all who come under it. You children out there, parents are your first encounter with authority. And when we honor them by submitting to their authority, God's protection and blessings rest upon you. You may say, well, Pastor Draper, why honor? Why should I honor my daddy and my mama? Well, off the record, they brought you in. They can take you out. (laughs) I've heard that one before. (laughs) The whole lot of kids would long to be in your place. I wish I could take you to Africa and see the schools of learning in that society. Chairs with no backs, little skimpy chalkboards, eating porridge out on the lawns. Many don't even crack a school door. They work in the fields. And you got your own telephone, own cell phone. That's what's wrong. You got too much. Parents, the more you give them, the less they appreciate it. You honor your parents' children, number one, because the Lord himself commands you to. Proverbs 1.18, I'm coming from the scripture, says, My son, hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Number two, when you submit to parents, you are submitting to the Lord himself. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Number three, 
you children to dishonor your parents is to dishonor the Lord. Deuteronomy 27, 16. I love this verse. It says, curse is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt. That's why some of you are going to struggle because God will curse you when you disrespect and dishonor your mama and your daddy. It says, cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt. And all the scripture says, and all the people shall say, amen. Proverbs 23, uh, 13 and 14 says, do not withhold correction from a child. Y'all need to get all this psychological do-little stuff and these theories out of your head. The scripture says, do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. I'm just getting heating up in here. That's the scripture. I'm not making this up. It's in your Bible if you haven't torn it out. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. From hell. You know why? Because hell in them. They talk back and roll their eyes and walk out and won't speak, won't say good morning. That's hellish. That's why the fatty tissue is on the backside. It's on the backside. God increased that tissue, tissue so that you can put the rod where it belongs. I'm not hardly through with this message. Parents, you do your children a tremendous disservice when there are no negative consequences for bad attitudes, behavior, and disrespect. Stop rewarding or being passive with this kind of behavior and consistently apply firm, loving consequences to modify inappropriate behavior. That's what it takes. Because if they don't respect your authority, they're not going to respect the, the authority of the schools. The law. And that's why many of them end up dead. Because you didn't do your homework. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.